Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April. And as always, I'm looking for my good buddy, Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing yeah. pretty well. Yeah. I'm feeling a little spring in the air. We had warm temperatures yesterday. Not as warm today, but I'm, it, it mentally helped me. And uh, I'm looking forward to a little time off coming up. So I'm in a good place today. How are you? I'm good. Um, I told my daughter yesterday that I'm ready for spring. Um, mostly, I think, just from the move and, like, the shoveling. You know, I, I've told you we, we didn't buy ourselves a new snowblower before we moved, so I've just been out there with the shovel uh, every time it, it comes. And the last time when we got, like, 10 inches, that broke me. It was like, nope, I, I can't be doing this. Um, it's very old school. It's very, very old school. school, but I had to do it this morning, and uh, it's only February, so you know, character. We, we still have to get through March before builds I think we're, we're clear. Builds, builds character. You know, I people. whenever people say that to me, I, I always say, I feel like I've got enough character. Um, well, that's true. I'll, I'm, I'll attest to that, <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, hopefully we have an easier spring and uh, in entry into spring and not as much snow. But and you're headed for warm weather next week, right? Warmish, yeah. I'm going to Nashville. Um, I think it's going to be in the 60s. So to me, that'll feel balmy, and um, I'll probably underdress because that's what you do when you go somewhere that's been in the 20s most of, for the last month. And I'll feel like it's summer, but um, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, that'll be good. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Just like today's going to be fun. We're going to we're going to talk about, um, I think, an interesting topic with no good answers, but lots of questions and, and, and a good discussion. Web 3.0, as we're calling it, and as the world is calling it, I suppose, who's talking about these things. And I'm going to see the initial part of the discussion to you um, since this was your idea. I like the idea, but I'll let you kick it off. Yeah, yeah. Um, I when when we were planning out the Bali episodes for this year, I think we had agreed we were like we should do one on metaverse because like everyone's yeah. talking about it and we haven't really covered it, so let's do one on that. And and then I think like coming out of the end of last year and the beginning of this year, the the reading that I was doing, just looking at what people were talking about, there was definitely metaverse, but then there was also Web three. It seemed like metaverse and Web three at least in technology circles, were the two big topics that everyone was talking about as major trends that they were looking forward to. And it it feels like it's been a little while since we had a major trend. I mean, I think there were there was sort of the emerging technology um, cycle from a few years yeah. ago. And I, I don't know that that one really caught on. You know, back before then, it was kind of like big data and then back into cloud computing. Um, so it almost felt like people were hungry for a couple trends to sink their teeth into. Mm -hmm. And that that hunger may have led to some overhyping, which we, we discussed that, I think, on the Metaverse episode. And I think we'll kind of go down the same path with Web3. I think Web3 has been a little less buzzy than Metaverse because there's not the the, the visual of virtual reality or, or the, the tangible piece <clears throat> like there has been with the metaverse. Um, if, if there are tangible pieces with Web3, I think it's around cryptocurrencies, which have been in the hype cycle for a little while now, and NFTs, which are much much more recent in the hype cycle. Um, but, but what it's really getting at is the underlying structure of, of the internet. 
and and not to be too long-winded here, but I think in order to get to Web three, we have to back up and kind of talk about well, what what are Web one and Web two? Why are we even calling it Web three? Yeah. And then I think we have to talk about that crypto um, blockchain maybe layer a little bit. Um, but we'll start with Web one and Web two. So I, I I think you know Web one was never called Web one until people coined Web two. Uh, the, the feeling with Web 2 was that we had moved from a phase of the internet where corporations and organizations were the ones producing the content because they had the resources at their disposal. They had the, the means yeah. to understand what to even try to do with this. We, we shifted from that into more of a user-produced content with social media uh, mm -hmm. and even you know blogs and and things like that where you and me and like everyone else were kind of the ones producing the content rather than it just coming from faceless corporations uh, and that was a huge shift and that that was kind of web 2 web 3 now i think is uh, being touted as another shift but it's not a shift in who's producing the content it's a shift in maybe who owns the content mm -hmm. um and 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 so that's kind of where the name comes from. I guess I'll pause there. I mean, do you have anything to add on like that history of Web One, Two, Three? <laughs> the history. Well, I think the one thing that you, that that happened between Web One and Web Two was technologically, you know, bandwidth exploded and speed exploded. And so the days, and I remember them because I'm old enough, the days of a of very static and slow delivery of a single web page ended and we were able to be more dynamic in what we did. And I think that was the biggest change. And then again, be give, giving me, whether you agree with it or not, it have having been a good thing, users more control and, you know, social media more control over content. Um, yeah, that, that's actually a, a good point that you bring up that the the bandwidth changed, which which kind of democratized it the did. usage, right? It gave much more people access to using it at home or eventually yeah. mobile rather than just going into the office. So I think that was a huge change in what you're describing, you know, that the, the bandwidth did change, but the underlying structure and protocols of the Internet were the same. Right. What really got built was new applications. It was new applications getting built on top of that that leveraged greater bandwidth, uh, which then you know leveraged um, wide access to technology. Yeah, and then I guess the transition to phones, you know, the mobile revolution too was huge in, yeah. in moving to Web two. But I think what you're describing as we talk about Web three is kind of an, an inversion of the pyramid in terms of of control of content from. Um, if you think of it now, there's, a, you know, a few huge mega companies that kind of uh, hold the keys to the castle, as it were. And we if we see what people are talking about with Web3 actually come to fruition, you're going to be flipping that pyramid where um, the bottom is now on the top and a lot more people have control uh, of that data. It is no longer whether well, it's decentralized is the big term that they keep throwing out there. And you yeah. can talk a little bit about that. But decentralizing control from a few, you know, uh, a few companies and their um, data centers to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. And, and, and the mechanism for doing that is is new technology at relatively low layers so maybe like the protocol like, like layer 
which is again different from the previous transition. And and that new technology, I don't think we want to do a deep dive on it here. It's the same technology that has been the foundation for cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of these countless number of coins that have sprung up. If you watch the Super Bowl, you've seen every crypto ad on Planet. Yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt Damon's trying his best to sell us some crypto. Um, yeah. But that's the, that's the technology. Um, and, and sometimes you see that technology referred to as crypto. I think people have, have used crypto as a shorthand for that underlying technology, whether it's blockchain or some other kind of distributed ledger or whatever it is. And again, we don't want to do a deep dive there. There are a lot of people out there that can describe this technology better. They can probably describe Web3 better than we're going to in, in 20 minutes here. But, you know, we're doing our best. I, I think for me, the interesting part is what you said, the way that the, the goal of these people is to flip the pyramid and, and to try to decentralize control of the data, uh, control of um, the, the the content itself, ownership of the content. Mm -hmm. And that's where we, we have started to see newer things <clears throat> like NFTs coming up where because of this technology now, we can do something like assigning provenance to a digital file in the same way that we would have for a piece of art. And so now you can make that digital file truly unique if that matters to you, right? And I think so much of the discussion about NFTs has been around like, um, what is the utility here? Like, obviously there are a lot of people who are collectors and if you're not a collector, you're probably looking at it and saying, why would you want to own a, a collection of, you know, ones and zeros, you know, bits and bytes of JPEG? Why do you want to own a JPEG or a, a, a GIF or something like that? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that you, you could also have said, you know, why do you want to own oils on canvas or why do you want to own a piece of cardboard with a baseball player's picture on it, right? I mean, I think that the the nature of collection and, and art is, is kind of its own thing. It's now able to be translated into the digital world. So I, I think it's completely valid that people have found a way to do that translation. I think it's also completely valid to kind of ask, what what is the ultimate uh, objective here? You know, is, is there really a killer app for this stuff? Mm -hmm. um, and I think those are the types of questions that we want to dig into here that like behaviorally, societally, how, how is this going to work out if, if people are trying to use this technology to, again, truly decentralize the Internet and, and sort of change the way not only the Internet works, but in, in a lot of ways, the way that the, the world works in terms of transactions and how we how we deal with each other and how we deal with organizations. Yeah, I mean, the, what always comes home to me is sort of... Uh... Well, we rail against the the era of big tech and having too few companies control too much. Um, fully democratizing or decentralizing everything makes me a little wary um, about, well, then, you know, who is driving the bus, right? I mean, who is accountable um, for things if we're just going to seed bank transactions over, if we're just going to seed, you know, other things in our private life, any kind of transaction that we make. Um, to what to me is just sort of the ether. And, and you know, you can give me a, a tutorial on blockchain and distributed ledger and everything else, but um, where's the accountability, I suppose? And so I can see 8,000 red flags immediately. Like, you know, you know, when something goes wrong, where do you go? Um, you know, who we're always, you know, you know, screaming about the government not doing enough to kind of regulate and rein in big tech. Well, 
when big tech isn't even in charge anymore, then who are we reining in if then nobody? And we like to think, at least the people who are glass half full, that most people are are good are good at heart. Um, but there was we well know there's lots of bad actors out there. And how does this kind of wild west shake out? That's what I see when we start talking about this. Now, I mean, maybe down the road, this all sort of does get, you know, um, does there's some sort of like shakeout where there is some sort of control uh, mechanism in there. There is some accountability in there. There's, you know, somebody has to answer to somebody. But right now, I just don't don't see how that's structured. And then take it across the globe. So whatever little rules and regulations we have here in the United States are not going to be the same or applicable to all the users that are all over the place in other countries. You know, we're watching the Olympics right now in Beijing and, um, you know, the the media that they're getting over the Internet is so controlled in China. You know what they're seeing and hearing on their social media, you know, they don't have Facebook. They have their own version of all of this is you know, a completely different, you know, parallel universe or, you know, alternate universe, I should say, to what we're getting. So how does all that get solved? And I'd like you to answer that question, Seth, because I know you can solve all these problems. Well, maybe over time. Um, but yeah, right now today, I mean, yeah. the, the real life example that's coming to mind for me as you're describing kind of like who controls this, what happens here is that the Constitution Dow thing that I'm sure you read about, the the decentralized organization that tried to like fundraise in order to buy a copy of the constitution. And they almost did it. They almost got enough money, which by itself was pretty fascinating, right? It's like, yeah. you you probably, maybe you couldn't have raised those funds in such a short amount of time with another mechanism, or maybe it wasn't the mechanism so much as the novelty, like what exactly caused it to be successful. But then when they, so I think it would have been a really interesting question to see what would have happened if they had been successful. But right. it was equally interesting when they weren't successful, because once they weren't successful, they were like, well, um, we we got nothing here. And there were a lot of stories about the backlash from that and people you know, wanting to get their money back. And it was a very difficult and arduous process. Yeah. Um, and, and I think to your point, if you start putting in those layers upfront of saying, okay, here's what's going to happen, you know, if you contribute, and then if we're not successful, then this is what will happen. You start putting in all those layers. And aren't you moving further and further away from like, a, a true decentralized model or or a, a model with a lot less complexity or whatever it is, you know, the, all, all of these layers are there for reasons. And I think that most of us uh, at this point in time have gotten used to the, the the safety of those layers, the security that those layers provide, yeah. and and yeah, maybe you know if we're looking at a decentralized uh, organization like that, or um, speculating in Bit, uh, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, that's exactly what it is. It's kind of speculative, um, and and there are risks involved. But when it comes to building a business on top of it, there there are a lot of things that have to happen, and especially today with a, as ingrained as technology has become with business if you're trying to change the underpinnings there how how high up the stack do you have to keep going and then once you've done that have you really built something new or not i mean i think that's all to be determined i think the potential yeah. is there that the the new foundation could provide capabilities um i, I think it's to be determined if 
you still get those capabilities once you put on all of the legal and, and financial requirements that you that you have to do to run a business these days. Yeah. The devil in the details kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I think um, I think we're going to end up we're going to land somewhere between this utopian kind of idea and um, and something that's, you know, the way it is now that, you know, is completely contractual and, and controlled by a few and all of that. Somewhere in the middle, I think we can land. I think for our audience and, and a lot of the business owners who watch Folly and whom we, you know, our members at CompTIA, um, they're probably having these same sort of theoretical conversations that we're having. Um, but end of the day, they're probably also wondering, okay, does any of this mean anything for my business? And, you know, from a pra practically speaking, what do I need to be thinking about right now, if anything? I think the thoughts about applications is a good one. You know, what is going to be the killer app um, that, that will um, make this Web 3.0 thing come to life as more than just a new foundation on your house or new plumbing in your house, as you've been talking about? And I'm not really sure what that is. Um, but I think until, you know, businesses are not going to dive in, you know, uh, full on until there's some demonstrated use cases out there for why this is important and it's going to make them more money end of the day. Yeah. So I think there, there are actually two paths there to, to kind of maybe borrow your analogy and maybe torture it a little bit. If we are, really? change, if we're changing the plumbing in the house, that by itself can be a good thing. So like if you're if you are buying a new application and all other things are equal, it might be worth considering buying an application that's built on a distributed ledger uh, because that would provide possibly a greater sense of security, greater data transparency, you know, whatever it is. Again, all other things have to be equal. So like, is this application going to bring you all the functionality that you would want? But I, I think that that world exists where even if it's not transformative, if over time uh, applications are just getting built on top of a new foundation, that there could be this slow kind of gradual move towards those types of applications. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you know, it, is there an application out there where if you've changed the foundation, you can actually turn that house into something else, or you can do something with that house that you've never done before? Yeah, I, I think. I think a lot of people are hoping that that's out there. I don't know that I've seen it yet, but I wouldn't eliminate the possibility. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking that we're talking many years out, at least uh, for any kind of full scale change. Um, what I find interesting um, is that a company like Facebook is, is somewhat pushing this, the metaverse concept very heavily. They are pushing. Um, but you wonder about some of these large companies that we kind of need to be on board with this. Um, but if they get on, bo on board, they're kind of eating their own lunch in a way. Um, and so um, it's going to be interesting to see who's the leader and the champion here, because we're talking about a paradigm that's for the masses and changing, you know, giving control to all um, so who is the person who is the big proponent who gets this thing moving? And I think there's a lack of who that is right mm -hmm. now. And, um, and I think that's going to be interesting as well because you don't have a leader. Yeah. This whole thing makes me think we're talking like, you know, I'm in like philosophy class and in college and we're, you know, talking about something in Marxism and, you know, and the proletariats and the, and, and, you know, and who's going to, um, take over the world. 
uh, and, and but that's just kind of how I see it. And right now, I don't see who that is. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the the hope of a lot of people. I mean, back to your original point about like we're already dealing with a lot of issues from huge corporations kind of running the world through the technology that they've provided to us. Are are we really convinced that we would be better off if we turned control over to the masses? I don't Um, know. You know, I, I I think most of us would say complete control over to the masses is probably not going to work. And so then immediately you start saying, okay, well, what structures do you put in place? Well, if you're putting structures in place, isn't that kind of antithetical to the idea that we we were after in the first place? But I I do think that's the way it's going to go. I do think it will land somewhere in the middle. And, you know, to your point about big companies have to wrestle with this whole innovator's dilemma part of it about, you know, do are we going to kill ourselves or shoot ourselves in the foot? I think there's a a, sort of a similar challenge for smaller companies and it applies to metaverse. We've talked about this all the way back through any emerging technology that we've talked about the past five years is how are you evaluating these things? Because you can't just sit around and wait for it to become uh, ready for prime time and and turned into a product. You, most companies these days, I think are starting to feel the need to do their evaluation, do their experimentation, you know, stand up some kind of a labs environment where it's like, hey, we're playing around over here. And if if something looks promising, what is the path from moving that into like the lab environment into our main business? Obviously, most small and medium firms haven't done that over the past you know hundreds of years. But I, I think that they are having to now. And so it's like, even if you don't see immediate potential in Web3 or Metaverse or artificial intelligence or any of these things, you, you need to be playing around in it mm-hmm. because you, you don't want to be playing catch up once it turns into a product. No, I, I agreed. Uh, and I think a lot of small companies obviously struggle with that, but they've got to do some experimentation um, or, or at least be well, at least get versed in, in what's going on out there so that they are not you know completely ignorant of some of the changes that might come down quickly. Um, and they may come down if we're talking about our our universe. If you're a small channel company, you know some of these changes m- may be coming from the vendors that you work with, who are experimenting heavily, and you know that and that may have a tremendous impact downstream on you and what and what you're doing within your business. So you know, I, I think you know, be aware. Um, this isn't going to happen overnight, but it's not something that you can say that you're insulated from and it's not going to affect you, uh, especially if you work in the technology industry. But, you know, the goal here, I think, with the people who are promoting Web 3.0 is that this is something that's going to fundamentally change everything that we do from consumer things, uh, how we work in our own lives and also the corporate stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it's probably a good place to wrap it up. Um, I, I think now we've covered these two, uh, you know, trendy topics. We can we can get back to more practical matters, you know, moving forward. Well, uh, trendy's fun. Maybe there'll be something else between now and the end of the calendar year that comes up. We can bat around. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll obviously be keeping our eyes on both of these things yeah. and and yeah, see how things evolve. I, I think they will evolve. I I agree with what you said earlier. I I'd be surprised if either one of these really starts moving towards something practical even by the end of this year. Um, But, but yeah, possibly in future years, you know, it could be there, but uh, you know, this was a good discussion. Um, 
again, appreciate you letting me twist your arm on it. So no, no, it's fun. I learn a lot. I learn a lot. You know me, I'm the naysayer on a lot of this. So it's fun to bat it out and learn that maybe these, some of these ideas are good. Yeah. Well, the, the, the naysaying is good too, because I think there are real challenges here. It's not just, you know, putting out a shiny new object and that it's going to transform the world. Like there are, there are behaviors that are baked in that have to be considered. So absolutely. All right. Well, until next time, my friend, uh, I'll report back from my uh, from my little uh, mini vacation next week. And uh, we will uh, do this again when I return. Good, good. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, thanks, as always, to our producer, Andrea McMillan, who really wanted us to talk about NFTs. So I'm, I'm sure she's happy. And uh, yeah, Carolyn, I'll see you after vacation. Sounds good. Take care.